where nobody knows your name is recorded in front of nobody. Hello and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. I'm John. And I'm James. And James, boy, we've got a good episode today. We're on season six. What, what, I, can't, I always lose track of these episodes now. 1320. Oof, <laughs> I was way off. You jumped from 13 to 20. Wow. But yeah, good one. I really like this episode. We saw the inner workings of the Lillian Corporation to an extent. Yeah, we did. And uh, as we haven't mentioned yet, this episode is season six, episode 20, The Sam in the Grey Flannel Suit. It aired on the 3rd of March, 1988, and was written by Sherry Eichen and Bill Steinkellner and directed by Tim Berry. What an episode. What an episode indeed. You, you said it was, we got to see a little bit of the Lillian Corporation. And I tell you what, James, lots of men in suits. Some would say too many men in suits. <laughs> I uh, think I'm one of these. <laughs> I didn't know whether to do this for this episode, James, but I'm going to do a tally of every time I think there's a lawsuit claim. Okay? Uh, okay. I'm not going to go into it too much, but there, Sam, as, as the episode suggests, Sam moves up the ranks within the, the corporation. And I think Rebecca has a few claims that could be made throughout this episode with how Sam's rapport is to her, considering he's now fairly high up in the corporation. Hmm. Yeah. So I'll keep a tally of that, James. Do you have a special like legal sound or will you just go, that's another one? I'll go, that's a legal claim. <laughs> Maybe that's too jolly. I was going to say, is that an abandoned night court catchphrase? <laughs> i tell you what, James, before I dig too much of a hole for myself, should we start with the uh, the cold open, which is a cool one. It starts with payday, which uh, Woody's pretty pleased he's just got paid. That's true. Yeah. Rebecca's handing out the checks. Everyone's very pleased, apart from Carla, who's noticing a, a little bit absent from her, her uh, pay package. It was 2.75 hours, is what I've written, but two and three quarter hours late the previous week. Yeah. That's very specific, because how much time do they go, well, that takes too long. So say if she had a long bathroom break because she was a bit ill, does that mean she's docked pay? Well, this is the thing. Rebecca's come in fairly hard nose about this, and is docking pay based on being late, which I think is kind of maybe fair enough, but... Without warning, she's doing this, which I think isn't particularly fair. Uh, Rebecca, in a sort of business savvy, snooty kind of way, says, Oh, a little tip. I set my clock an hour early so that I'm always early for everything. And then Carla does a James move here. <laughs> well, she, uh, Rebecca says she does it half an hour early and Carla pushes it to an hour when she says, So if I do it an hour early, I'll be even more on time. Price is good. Yeah, and Rebecca says, yeah, that's a good idea. And then Carla says, oh, would you look at the time then? It's lunch. Yep, I approve. <laughs> and I think uh, the best sort of line is the tagged on little joke where Woody goes, it's lunchtime, no wonder I'm so hungry. Woody has a great ability to say something very simple and with that sort of naivety. And I think it's a fun cold open, but what I think makes the cold open so good is uh, we skip to, I assume, a couple of days later, and it's the start of the bar opening again, and Rebecca is late, which doesn't get made a big deal of, but I think there's some irony there. There is an irony, yes. And I think Carla gets a little bit of a, uh, well, some more revenge, really, because Rebecca says, where's Sam? And they say he's upstairs having lunch with Evan Drake. And she says, oh God, Evan Drake shows up the day I'm late. And Carla says, don't worry, I've got you covered. I told them you were drunk. See, this folds back into what you said in the cold open, where it doesn't necessarily 
have anything to do with the episode, the cold open. It's not like uh, some cold opens, which which are plot based. But the fact that they're having lunch at a time, which is probably still the morning. Yeah. You know, as you said, there's connections, even if they're not solely based in plot. But uh, this mysterious lunch gets Rebecca a bit scared because she thinks that Sam's vying for her job. And that's the initial worry of this episode for Rebecca. It's a fair concern because Sam did own the bar. Yeah, and I mean, he was in a management position before. The bar, uh, I don't think we've seen much success for at the moment. I mean, we've seen in a previous episode, Rebecca just started ordering more pretzels just to get one up on Sam. You can't run a business that way. When Rebecca's in the bar, we see Evan Drake and Sam leaving Melville's upstairs, and uh, she overhears this exchange. Hey, Sam, I'm serious about that offer now. I want to move you up. What do you say? Oh, sounds tempting. Well, I see you behind that bar, the more convinced I am. Your talents are being wasted. Yeah, I know, I know, but they won't let me bring a bed in here. (laughs) Yes, yes, boy, thank you, of course I will. And Rebecca takes this as sort of a for sure thing that he's vied for her job and she has a bit of a go at him, but then Sam reveals that he's going actually to headquarters, head office. Ooh, the the ivory tower? The irony tower. (laughs) And she calls him uh, a scum-sucking, power-hungry, backbiting creep. Doesn't hold back, does she? <laughs> then um, Evan Drakes appears and she goes, I was just congratulating Sam. She's evidently jealous, as you would be, because despite the fact that Sam had managed Cheers for almost a decade by the time Re- Rebecca started there, he, despite having that, Rebecca thinks he doesn't have the business acumen or experience to have a corporate role. Well, this this is something which Sam questions even himself. He says, I'm really excited about this, but are you sure that I'm qualified? I never even finished college. And, and Evan says, uh, how far did you get? And he said, halfway through the application. That puts some doubts in our mind about whether Sam will be good at this job or not, I guess. We saw previously that he wouldn't have been able to get into college anyway because he didn't have enough high school credits. Mm. It's an interesting setup, and I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes, James, because it's a big opportunity, isn't it? It is, yeah. And it's definitely an environment we've not seen Sam in before. Yeah, and I guess uh, we should just move straight into the next scene, which is Sam in his new office. It's a classy place, much bigger than Norm's office at the end of season five. Yeah, no, Sam got a good deal with that office. <laughs> he's got like bay windows. I know, and he's, he's, uh, we see him making an important business decision, uh, which he's sort of mulling over for quite a while. We meet his uh, assistant. She pushes him for a decision. Mr. Malone, I hate to rush you, but people are waiting. Have you made a decision yet? Yes, Mimi, I have. I'll take the tuna on toast with iced tea. So that's business decision one made. Yeah, and then uh, his other... He doesn't have many tasks for the day, it seems. One of them is deciding what he'll have for lunch. And the other one is he's writing a memo that he was drafting. And he asks his assistant uh, whether they leave it off. And so far, the only line he's got is to whom it may concern. It's a good opening. <laughs> but the the day is saved though because uh, some some friends show up. Ah, the from, from the firm of Claven Peterson and Boyd. Peterson Claven and Boyd, attorneys at law, the legal trio. Here they are. <laughs> it does feel a bit like a Murdoch and Nelson kind of thing. Yeah, that that's why we are superheroes. <laughs> yeah, they 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 have a good time in the office, but their their idea of business life's a bit weird. I think. Yes, particularly because Norma has been in that business environment. 
But Cliff seems very interested. Cliff's been on a bit of a weird sting this season where he keeps sort of looking down at other occupations. I mean, I think we can delve more into that in our season review. I think there's definitely a... I was going to go Frasier. There's definitely a psychological root to this problem. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, But I think there have been a few episodes this season which have perhaps shaken his confidence in his own ball. Mm. And this one, he's he's looked out the window and he's picked on window washers. Oh, hey, hey, look at that. There's a a guy washing windows. That's one job you wouldn't catch me doing for all the bridges in Bridgeport. Yeah, a platform there suspended uh, hundreds of feet over a certain death. You said it. Hey, let's throw something at him and scare him. (laughs) They, They seem really proud of him. I think that's the main consensus. Everyone's pretty proud of Sam at the moment. He's a big shot. That's the, the thing. He has made it big. Uh, and Ted's in a suit. And, you know, Ted always looks good in a suit, doesn't he? Over <laughs> over the last, what, 40 years, he's looked good in a suit. He's in this firm. We're not exactly sure what his job is. No, it's something to do with sales. But we don't exactly know how that fits into the corporate structure. Yeah, and I think that's something which comes up in the in the next bit because he has to rush uh, Cliff, Norman, Woody out of the office because Mr. Drake's coming to see him. And they have a good sort of exchange back and forth, which ends with Sam saying, what am I supposed to do here? And the kind of uh, story that Evan Drake is saying is that it's a new role and they're trying to figure out what the role is, but they really want his input. It's never a good sign, is it? No, but there is something which they know he can help out with, is that they've got some uh, softball. Well, that is a mighty coincidence. <laughs> Interbusiness softball tournaments. Interbusiness. <laughs> Sam, as we know, was a relief pitcher for the Red Sox. So he'll probably be useful in that softball league. That seems to be one thing that Evan Drakes knows he wants Sam to do. So Sam returns to the, the bar uh, in celebration because they've just won their uh, softball game and they're all dressed in their softball jerseys. Why is it softball and not baseball? Is it just the, the type of ball softer? <laughs> softer than a base, yes. <laughs> well, either way, they're all wearing the jerseys. Rebecca sort of clocks that maybe Sam got this job so that they could just get him into the softball tournament. And basically, he's a ringer. He's not really there for any value. And he's going to be out of the business, out of his current seniority, head office job, uh, pretty much as soon as the baseball season's over, or softball season. She basically twigs that Sam is essentially a ringer for them. He's not there for any other value other than playing ball, essentially. That's a good metaphor. Playing ball means cooperating, doesn't it? Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, did you do that on purpose? Uh, let's say, yeah. And initially, uh, Rebecca says to Fraser, I'll just, uh, I won't say anything. It will hurt him enough when he realises and gets dropped from headquarters in like three weeks or something. This is where my first lawsuit, James, Sam calls over and I think he basically asks Rebecca to remove her bra or something. I won't break his heart. Oh, hey, uh, Rebecca, the guys decided that you could be our cheerleader on one condition. Lose the bra. (laughs) I won't break his heart. I will rip it from his chest. First lawsuit. And then she says to Fraser, uh, essentially, I'm going to crush him. The first clue we get is that Sam's jersey doesn't say Malone. It says Heppel. Mm-hmm. Sam even queries it and, and Evan Drake goes, oh yeah, yeah, we've ordered it, it will arrive soon. But Supply chains, that's the excuse, the age-old excuse. Supply chains. And Sam goes, ah, business, business, business. <laughs> 
It's easy to order a juicy. We've even got our own juicies of sorts with one bed bubble with Malone on them. So I th- Drake is just lying. <laughs> Supply chains are good as well, I hear. Oh yeah, you get week in a week or two globally. Easy. Rebecca's sort of got this uh, newfound satisfaction that she's gonna break the news to Sam that he's essentially a ringer. They don't really want him there. His job's a bit of a sham. Yeah, she's pretty spiteful here, considering he hasn't. He's only just got a job that got offered to him. Yeah, would he have had to hand his notice in too, Rebecca? I assume not, because he hasn't really left the business, has he? He's just moved up it. That's it. Yeah, it's a promotion. Which does make bed the question: What? Why? Why did he need to move up to play in the company's softball team? But I won't question that. This is a good question. You've got your corporate hat on. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's clearly a separation between, and the, the, like the the conduit is Rebecca between mm. the businesses or subsidiaries they own. And the and the actual company itself. Mm. Well, enough of that sort of corporate structure talk, James. The next scene is uh, in Sam's office, his swanky office, and Rebecca shows up to break the news to him. And this is where Sam uh, opens up a bit about what this job means to him. And also, actually, uh, I should should say as well, James, another legal case there because Sam says, "Would you like to have a seat in the executive chair here, or maybe the executive sofa, or how about the executive's lap?" Lawsuit. That is a bit of a lawsuit. But he does make up for it a little, not fully, but he does make up for it a little by... I think uh, it's harassment, James. <laughs> it, this, is why I, this is why I only said a little and not fully. It, 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 he does make up for it a little by talking about the emotive connection to his role and that his dad is proud of him and he hasn't talked to his dad in years. His dad wasn't even at his wedding a season ago. Yeah, that's true. I never even thought of that. He does, he does apologise for uh, things he said in the bar the, the night before or the day before, after their game. And like you say, he opens up about what this job means to him, that he called up his dad and reconnected with him. He's going to fly his mum and dad out to see his office. It feels like he's made it. He's made it big. And uh, Rebecca is now weighing up whether to break the news to him that he is a ringer or not. And now that becomes a bit of a moral, confused issue of something that she was really looking forward to saying to him. Now she says it with a bit of pain behind it because she has to break the news to him. But not not complete pain. She does enjoy telling him a little. My folks, uh, their wedding anniversary is next month. I'm going to fly them in here and I'm going to give them the grand tour. I just can't wait to see their face. Stop. What? Sam, I didn't want to have to tell you this, but now I have to. All right, all right. What do you got? Well, I actually did want to have to tell you this, but I wanted to enjoy it. Now you've ruined that and I have to tell you anyway. <laughs> You're not going to be here next month. What do you mean? Malone, you're a ringer. <gasps> oh, I did like doing it a little bit. <laughs> what, what do you mean, ringer? I mean that Evan just hired you to win the championship. And when that's over, you're history. Uh, his reaction is pretty sour. He thinks that she's jealous and that wow, he just sort of disregards what, her, what she said, even though there's m- much a piece of evidence that backs it up. He calls Drake to get his word to prove that he isn't a ringer and that he is valued as a salesman. Jake's in a meeting. Jake's in a sales meeting. Yeah, it's not good, is it? <laughs> it is not. Yeah, it crushes him, man. He's devastated. He, he's lost face there. He storms into said sales meeting to have words. Yeah, just as the meeting ends, essentially. Just as the meeting ends, and they've got a pie chart or something, and we see the real Heppel. Because Heppel was still very much there. The real Heppel. 
Yeah. <laughs> Working out of a broom closet for two weeks. Oh, they just gave him Norm's office. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Sam says, oh, I'm not going to be able to play uh, tonight. I've got a lot of paperwork. And that's where we find out Heppel says, I gave up my office for two weeks for this guy to do paperwork. And it twigs. And Sam confronts Evan about this. And that doesn't go too well, really, I'd say. No. Sam goes, just give me a shot, Evan. Got this proposal here. And, you know, it's laminated and everything. Just read it. If you think it's worth looking at, keep me on for the payroll, you know, so I can do a good job. If you don't, then just shake my hand and I'll walk away. Uh, and <laughs> Evan doesn't even say anything. He opens the first page, puts out his hand, doesn't look at Sam. It's, it's brutal, isn't it? I mean, Tom Skerritt is, he's got an intimidating presence, doesn't he? In a lot of roles that he's done. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I think the thing which is most brutal about this is probably like four episodes ago, he was inviting someone to his boat and everything. They were best buds. Now he's like, I'm going to fire you, but not not even acknowledge you with words. Not going to look you in the eyes. Just going to hold up my hand and see you out kind of thing. Brutal. Sam, understandably, the next day he's back at Cheers and he's trying to save face and he plays a bit of a story that he splashed water on his face and he looked in the mirror and he said, you're not an executive man. You've got to get back where you belong, which I think in a lot of ways he probably does think, but he makes it out as if it's his decision. Yeah. And I think he genuinely believes it. I think he genuinely believes he's not an executive man, but I think the hope was there that he'd be able to be as successful as his brother. Say. Mm. And I think that's uh, what will probably cut deepest. I- I'm interested to see when he next sees Evan, if that relationship's still going to be, if it would sort of default to what it was about four episodes ago, or if there will be this sort of underlying, not resentment, well, maybe resentment. I think resentment from Sam. I think Evan... Oh yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. I mean, from Sam's perspective. I think it might, this episode could potentially build that sort of divide of like a, or head office, you know, those stiffs in head office. I think you're onto something there, John. This could be the birth of that because they've been very pally-pally for this season so far. And uh, Rebecca's always been in sort of two camps. I wonder whether, well, actually, I suppose at this point that wouldn't have pushed her, but maybe she'll revolt against head office at some point as well. And be welcomed into cheers like they've done with Frasier. Maybe maybe Evan Drake will become this sort of overarching villain. That'd be cool. Corporate villain. It does fit in with a lot of themes of cheers, doesn't it? I think that's one thing which is, uh, maybe I should save this for the season review. I'll only talk about it briefly here, James. But uh, this idea that Cheers got incorporated and then no one's really batted an eyelid. There's been a few bits, but, you know, that's a pretty big thing. And in a lot of places, there'd be a lot of revolt around that. There'd be a lot more change. Maybe we'll see that to come. But I'll, I'll bite my tongue till the season review where we can get into that more. Shall we talk about the guest cast? Yeah, now's a good time for that. Obviously, we've got Tom Skerritt as Evan Drake, Pamela Bowen as Mimi, who was Sam's receptionist. And there was a lot of recurring jokes about Mimi where Sam kept breaking stationery. Yeah, and then wanted technical support or something. Yeah. (laughs) Pamela Bowen also appeared in MacGyver, Days of Our Lives, Moonlighting, Hearts of Fire, Everybody Loves Raymond, Detroit, Rock City, Six Feet Under, Justified, and many more. Vince Howard as Heppel. He also appeared in Mr. Novak, Get Smart, Star Trek, the original series, The Monkeys, The Fugitive, I Dream of Genie, Bewitched, The Streets of San Francisco, The Six Million Dollar Man, The Incredible Hulk, Knight Rider, 
Hill Street Blues, Trapper John M.D., Dallas, Murder, She Wrote, and many more. George Shannon as Burns, another Lillian Corporation suit. He also appeared in General Hospital, Kojak, In the Heat of the Night, and many more. Philip Pullman and Wendy Wells Gunkel are uncredited as Phil and Bar Patron. What a cast. I do think uh, there's some there's some nice roles in there for some one-off casts. Like you say, the running joke with uh, Mimi was quite a good laugh, mainly because of Sam's incompetence. He broke a pencil sharpener. He had like a, a laughing money box or something. Yeah. He loved the Newton's Cradle. Couldn't get enough of the Newton's Cradle. <laughs> he didn't break that one, I don't think. He might have done, I can't remember. But yeah, I, I enjoyed those aspects of it. I thought they were good fun. But when he's returned to Cheers and put this sort of show on that he, he left head office and it wasn't for him kind of thing, uh, Woody says, oh, that'll be good because Miss Howe said you'd be shattered. She'll be glad to know that you're all right kind of thing. And Sam puts on this sort of act as he enters Rebecca's office. And he's trying to play a bit of a victim, I think. Going for the sympathy play, is this like a third lawsuit? Lawsuit, James. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he says he feels humiliated and that he feels taken advantage of and things like this, which is slightly, oh, I suppose ironic is maybe the word, but considering what he's trying to do at the moment, irony sounds too lighthearted for it to be irony. I think it's a more... It is written in irony. Yeah. It's definitely meant to be Sam being hypocritical in that he's, mm. he's unaware of, of how he interacts with women a lot of the time. And uh, something which we're seeing through this series is how Rebecca, Kirstie Alley's character, is getting more weighed down by Sam. She's realised that, I guess, ultimately, Sam isn't, uh, he isn't, I don't want to say he isn't a bad guy. Her way of showing she's not interested is by just sort of going, oh, okay, then I've given in to you and very sort of a lacklustre, fine. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, she was very apathetic. God, I am tired of fighting you. I just don't have the strength to do it anymore. If this is what you really want, then by all means, take me here, take me now, please, please. Are you serious? Oh, yes, I want it bad. All right. something wrong? Oh, nothing. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. <laughs> let, let, let me get this straight. Is this what I can expect in the way of full participation? <laughs> Until I get tired. <laughs> Was it good for you? And I think that kind of last quip at the end, was it good for you? You can see Kirstie Alley's got the power in that scene, really, you know? It's it's the cherry on a passive-aggressive cake. <laughs> it's on a passive-aggressive cake. That's, that's the first time I think you've said a passive-aggressive cake in this podcast. Yes, in the podcast, yes, in, in life. <laughs> <laughs> Daily phrase. That's the trivia bell, James. We've we've had a, a fairly cliff absent episode. He's been in a couple of scenes. He was in one scene, 
complained about window washers. But as usual, before we open our letters, we have to give a shout out to our norms on Patreon. So this goes out to Treb Curry. If you want that special norm treatment, then check out our Patreon page for that and so much more. I tell you what, James, I'll kick off the questions because it's uh, related to one other scene that Cliff was in. And we, we said there was no B-plot. We'd forgot it because it was so small until I was reminded by this question. Cliff uh, tells Carla about some studies that are happening on twins and tells her maybe she'd take her twins to see it. Carla comes back from this. She's got some Wonga, Moolah, James. She's got a hundred bucks. Who is on the notes? What president is on the notes of these uh, two $50 bills? $50 bill. You needed to zoom and enhance to see, or just have a general or, knowledge or of Or just this. know, yeah. Zoom and enhance. It's, it's um... Ooh, that is a good question. Jefferson? No, I don't... My... American history isn't particularly good. President Grant, Ulysses S. Grant. Ulysses, yeah, of course. He was the, the 18th it, president. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't know that. I knew Ulysses S. Grant was a president. I didn't know he was on the $50 bill. Sorry, Americans. <laughs> but Car- Carla goes, I love these twins, and holds up two $50 notes. And she says she loves science $100 more. I like how she quantifies a love. <laughs> According to the plaque on Sam's desk, what is his new job title? Is it um, Eastern Sales Manager? That's close enough. Eastern Regional Sales Manager. In fact, he's not doing anything, though. So, James, you mentioned that after the game, they all come in and Sam's come into cheers and Sam's got Heppel's jersey on. What number is Heppel? 11. It is 11. I'll follow it up with my my last question, James, because it's a similar vein. Do you know what Evan's number is? Seven. It is. I feel like you either had some wizardry or you'd <laughs> you'd purposely pulled those out of uh, notice those, knowing I'd ask. I did. It's the it's the second one. I've got a question <laughs> here which says softball. What are the surnames and numbers of other players on the Lillian Corporation softball team? I will say that I had to watch this scene a fair few times <laughs> to catch all of them. The only one I'm going to know is Burns because I because George Shannon played them as I got from our guests round that you uh, delivered. But I don't know any of the other names, James. Uh, we had Drake, who's number seven, Lloyd, number six, Powell, 15, Hamilton, nine, Raftus, 24, and Heppel was 11. This oh. last one was, of course, worn by Sam. Was there not even a Burns? Burns was not in the scene where they returned to cheer. Ah. So either he wasn't on the softball team or he's teetotal. Or, or you didn't see his back. It could be that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he was called by name. So I assumed it, he had a jersey on. That's all my questions, James. Do you have any more? I have two more. Where is the next meeting for Peterson, Claven and Boyd after they visit Sam's office? Oh, is it in the reception to do something sleazy with elevators? Yes. Uh, bottom of the lobby escalator, watching the secretaries go up to the lunchroom while leaving the office, they board the Underworlds Express on track 29. That's a lawsuit. <laughs> Who does Cliff compare Sam to? I'll give you a clue. Would you like a clue? Um, Yeah. I can give you two clues. One, we've mentioned him... President Grant. Sorry, no, we've mentioned him on the podcast before. Oh, I don't know. 
I've got two more clues. Rebecca has read books by him. Oh, that should narrow it down, but I still don't know. Uh, clue number three. I hope clue number three is his name rhymes with. <laughs> no, his, uh, clue number three, his grandson might be a cannibal. Oh, someone hammer? There um, you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Armand Hammer. We talked about him previously, a businessman who had ties to the Soviet Union. It was the cannibalism bit that got you. <laughs> well, it was the cannibalism that, that got you on. And on that, it's final call. <laughs> it's for someone. Uh, wow, we haven't even really discussed any drinks this episode. We have not. I don't know what to drink. I feel it should be something classy. I feel it should be something sports-related. Vespa. That sounds good, doesn't it? I have no idea what a Vespa is. I know, I thought it was a car. It's a type of, not motorbike, scooter. It's a type of scooter, but it's also mm. a cocktail, which was popular in London in the 1960s. Okay, I'm, I'm up for that. That sounds good. We'll get two of them, James. Pull that out of a hat like a magician. <laughs> we'll get two of them, and uh, for this episode we'll be, what should we be toasting? Tuna. Tuna on toast. They're, oh, lovely. Yeah, it didn't really end well for many people. Carla got a hundred bucks for submitting her children to experiments. <laughs> I don't really know what to toast to. Let's toast to a happier episode next time. I think that's something we can I do. Mean, we, we've got our vespers. We've got our tuna on toast. That's a <laughs> that's a nice brunch, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm happy with that. This has been when nobody knows your name. A uh, sorrowful podcast. <laughs> Thank you.